Hello. Hey, Ethan. Hello and welcome to The Right Brain Club, the podcast that gives you an insight into the various artistic career paths the world has to offer. Whether you're interested in writing, acting, dancing or painting, there's something here for you. I am your host, Hero Fancit, and let's dive into today's episode. Hey, hey, Hero, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. You alright? Yeah, I'm alright. I'm alright. How's things? Yeah, good, good. You sound completely different on the phone. What, me? Yeah, I know. Well, you haven't seen me in a while, see? No, so, a long I mean, time, long time no speak. I know. When was the last time? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. I actually don't remember the last time I saw you. I think I saw you in a gig when you were performing. Oh, really? But that was like three or four years ago. Yeah, I think you put... Have you ever played in... Maybe you played in... It was either the Moon or his Porters. I don't think you've ever played in Porters, though, have you? No, I don't... How do you know so much? I, I have... I did play in the Moon. I practically lived in the Moon for about... Yeah, yeah. I'm sure years. I saw you at the Moon once playing... Uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm just um, I'm just putting some headphones on to hear you a little bit better. Ah, okay. No worries. No worries. I'll speak closer to the phone. For all I know, okay. Ethan could be in a bubble bath right now. I don't know. Like, True. usually I can see who I'm interviewing. So, I, and I can't see you right now. It's really weird. So. Yeah. Well, you know, you never know what I'm going to be up to. I could yeah, be exactly. doing anything right now. You could literally Since... be riding an elephant, or. Oh yeah, yeah. It could be um, on the top of a hill. Could be in the could be in the Loch Ness, you know. There's many possibilities to what I could be doing right now. So let your mind run with that. I think yeah. that's uh, yeah, as uh, Andre Stitt would say, you know, <laughs> it's all concept. He pops into my head from time to time. <laughs> I love Andre. He follows me on Instagram. Oh, he's nice. great. Yeah, I know he yeah. is. He's like a wizard or something. I think. Uh, well, I mean, he's a dark wizard. I wouldn't. Not I wouldn't think sure, that he's yeah. a wizard that you want to be friends with. But oh. once you get through to him, he's quite a soft good. wizard, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, um, it's like a wizard that is in like a tower or a forest, and and he's like grumpy, and no one wants to see him, talk to him. But then when you meet, get to know him, this is terrible. If you ever, if you ever listen to this, I'm gonna get like done for slander. No, he's, he's. No, <laughs> sorry. God. I'd take it as a compliment. Like I've been, um, yeah. I've been babysitting my niece for the past couple of months, and okay. uh, really into Sesame Street now, and uh, oh, nice. I realise how much I, uh, I really relate to Oscar the Grouch. Oh so, yeah, of course, of course. I think I, I just I just totally relate to him. So I think I don't. Know oh yeah, totally. So, um, Oscar's like the best character. I don't know though. I do like. Um, he's genuinely oh, see, I'd hilarious. Him yeah, he's class. Yeah, he's so good. He's literally the best of character. The he's count so... is pretty good, but the count is like he hasn't. He's a bit one-dimensional. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's kind of a gimmick, but again, he is hilarious. I, I genuinely yeah. like sit there and I laugh for for hours just like watching Sesame Street with my niece. I'm just like. <laughs> You don't understand the humour yet because you're one. But. I know it's weird, isn't it? Like, but then when you're like, I, I when I I've been rewatching cartoons recently. Well, I've rewatched cartoons forever anyway. Yeah, but like, same. there's always like jokes in them that are just so. I mean, they're in there for adults. the adults, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're in there for the adults. Mm. But like, Jesus, sometimes I'm like, that's really flying close. <laughs> that's really yeah, flying yeah. close to the sun. Did you ever? Um, did you ever watch Courage the Cowardly Dog? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Courage Cowardly Dog. That was Someone my favourite growing up. That was my favourite show. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of like. I did, I never. When you're a kid, you kind of just 
you just watch it, don't you? You just take it and you just think, mm. yeah, cool, this mm. is normal. This is what I'm being fed as a child. And you grow up and you're like, Jesus, like that was. Yeah, that was pretty bleak. Dark. That was dark. Yeah, that was dark. Like, I like carriage, right? But I could never get behind goosebumps. Goosebumps used to, like, literally put the uh, fear of God inside of me. I couldn't watch yeah. any goosebumps. I was terrified. I was terrified of goosebumps because the one I watched, do you remember the one with the. Um, there was like the scientist dad or something, and he like he was made he like made plants. Do you remember that one? Yeah, was that don't go into the basement? I, I yes, yes, them. yes. I was obsessed with and, like, scary stuff. Oh, I hated Goosebumps, right? And the scene <laughs> when in the in the show when he cuts his arm and all the goop comes out. I don't know what it was about that, but oh, that yeah. image, that image has messed with me ever since. I don't I'm know so why. Glad, I'm so glad you brought up Goosebumps for two reasons because I always want right. to talk about the well. First of all, because everyone says, oh, it's, it wasn't even scary. It was shit. It wasn't shit. It was it was intense. It was like it was terrifying. I, I mean, I am victim. I am victim of it. Yeah. Thank you. I really, I'm so glad you feel that way because I always feel yeah. like, oh, yeah, it wasn't scary, but I was. Oh, that was scared. terrifying. It was, I was awful. Also, um, I didn't. I wanted to talk. I've always wanted to talk to someone about the Goosebumps theme song, right? Because right. At the moment, I've been like, because it's been like spooky season, whatever. I've been like learning it on piano and stuff. Nice, the nice. Composer. He went so hard on that intro. Like, did he have <laughs> it's, a bop. it's a bop. It's a bop. <laughs> it is a bop, to be fair. It's yeah, so that's scary. a great intro. It's one, one of, of my the most like, chilling things I've ever heard. Of course. You know the X-Files theme, too? Like, mm. that used to... Text. My parents like my parents were always into, like, um, X-Files and, like, the mm. kind of stranger ones, like, um, not just Twin Peaks, but, like, um, Eerie Indiana, which is, like, a really underground one that not many people know about which is oh maybe they do maybe i'm just talking out my ass yeah i know i didn't hear of it then my parents told me about it a few years ago okay. anyway so they used to watch all these like really horrifying not horrifying but like you know spooky mm. um shows and the x-files theme tune used to scare me and yeah. even now it causes me to have an anxiety attack when i listen to it so like, funny, I'm like, chris my, yeah. my other half he, he will not listen to it right that's horrible it's like, so he's nasty very sensitive that kind of thing so um mm. i like it was like a couple of months ago, probably pre-lockdown um, world. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I was. I'm one of those people that like when you fall, asleep, like when you're downstairs and you're watching telly or something, and you can't be bothered to get to bed, so you just stay up all mm. night because you can't. Oh yeah. Okay. I hate transitions. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Chris had fallen asleep next to me, and I was like, just you know, like late night TV, like just mm. that's when that kind of stuff comes on. And um, mm. the I was like, oh, the X Files, and I was like, I'll put it on. He's he's not he's not he's, he's asleep kind of thing. And then the theme mm. sort of song started playing and he jumped out of his, like, he just woke up. He was like, really? Turn it off. I was like, oh my even God. Even in your subconscious, wow. you're terrified of that theme. Like, That's crazy. Yeah, my um, theme songs are people. <laughs> theme songs are so good. Like, yeah. I, like I'm trying to think of like what my favorite theme song would be. Right. This is a really weird one, mm. right? But you know, Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Right. The Crash Bandicoot theme tune for um, the one that's like dum 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 that is yeah. literally a banger, <laughs> and I can ne- and I always say to people, I'm like, I'm like, if this came on in the club, I would lose my mind. But like, it's never going to come on in the club, right? It's never. I obviously, wouldn't. But if it did, I would actually probably yeah. spin. I would probably spin it very quickly like a Bandicoot <laughs> to the theme tune. Oh. I think. Yeah, literally, like wow, that's like literally the best theme tune. That is the oh, best blah, one. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah, literally so good. Oh my god. Yeah, those sounds are deeply ingrained in. Like, I know, I know. And then obviously, psyche. yeah, classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've just what. gone on that ramble, but like, I love it. I actually, I just want to talk about it all the time to people. Like. Oh yeah, totally. It's amazing. It's honestly amazing. By the way, can you hear me fine? I feel like I'm. Am I, I okay? Hear you crystal clear, clear as a fantastic, as fantastic. Oh, okay. Well, it's quite cloudy today, to be honest. But okay, that makes sense. But your line is not. It's. Oh, amazing. Clear as a bell. Wonderful. So, um, yeah. All right, so I should say, uh, Ethan and I, we went to uni together. 
So, yes, long yeah, time ago. Long time, yeah, which is a bit weird because I kind of thought you yeah. would be forever. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah. Well, it is. I, I'm theoretically going through uni forever, so. Oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah, what are you what are you doing at uni at the moment? I'm so last year I did a teaching degree. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a qualified teacher, Sick. qualified lecturer. Um, so I did a PGCE postgraduate, um, sorry, yeah, postgraduate certificate of education. But I did a PSET, which is a postgraduate certificate of education mm-hmm. uh, for based around post compulsory education and training. So I am um, a qualified teacher, but I don't have uh, basically I'm qualified. I can teach in schools, but I'm more qualified for adult learning and lifelong learning. So wow. 16 and above. Yeah, so I did that. And then um, I did have a job lined up. And unfortunately, you know, pandemic, um, the plague came back. So I um, got, I applied for an MFA in GSA, Glasgow School of Art. Didn't get it. Um, Applied for a, and then I also applied to the Royal College. um, And I basically got into the Royal College, but I couldn't afford it. And then GSA offered me um, a place, uh, uh, an alternative offer on their um, Master of Letters, critical art practice course it's just a year long and it's really like a sculpture um course so at the moment i'm currently living and working in glasgow wow. um up in scotland yeah yeah um i'd never never yeah it is cold but i'd never i'd never been to scotland before um i drove up here to move here no way so, it's like a crazy long hour drive like yes yeah, like eight hours so i just drove up oh, yeah, I got Glasgow's literally, south isn't it yeah south yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. but but i did go to loch ness the other day and it was four hours like drive mm-hmm. there and back yeah. which is uh, nightmare, <laughs> um, but it was good fun. So yeah, I'm up in Glasgow at the moment, living and working. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, what else are you going to do in a pandemic, right? Just go to Scotland. Travel, I guess. Yeah, go to Scotland. Yeah, exactly. Nessie, basically. Yeah. Well, I did try to find her the other day, but unfortunately, um, well, Nessie's female, isn't she? Is she? she? I think Nessie's I meant to be Nessie female. If you're listening, I've always been calling you a, a dude. For years, yeah. So. Let's see. I'm gonna. I've got my laptop. Nessie gender. Let's have a look. Nessie gender. What gender is Nessie on Nessie? Um, yeah, does she exist? Does she? So exist? she is. Okay. Yeah, she's a, she apparently on visitscotland.com. <laughs> is it Nessie? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nessie the Loch Ness Monster on visitscotland.com. Um, uh, she's a she. Wow. Um, there we are. So, if I mean, how would you? Exists. You wouldn't know, would you? Yeah, if she exists. I mean. She's quite androgynous. I didn't see. Yeah, it could be non-binary, you know. Yeah. Like. Non-binary. Don't know. We don't non-existent. know. So. Non-existent. Non-existent. Non-binary. I like Still that. Very interesting. Yeah. Very yeah, interesting. That's, that's yeah. very out there, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went to the Loch Ness once because my um, my dad's family used to live up there. Like. Oh right. What in? Scotland. No yeah, way. So, okay. Um, long hours. It used to take like eleven hours to drive there. It was like. Oof, it was actually nasty. Like a little slice of Oof. Um, Yeah. Imagine. God. The dogs breathing on me and stuff. Um, but yeah, we went to Loch Ness, and I remember I got really, well, actually quite seasick because the water was like choppy. And did you go wait you went on the nest did you yeah, on we the lock like boat ride and um, right right i remember like we were downstairs like so we weren't like on top we were like underneath mm. so you could see the water going over the the, the like window that we could see yeah. through. so it was like up down up like it's really choppy and mm. um and yeah it was like the water was like black as well and i was just terrified that i was going to see them yeah it's really monster. dark and i was just so i was, I was so sick like I, oh it was awful so that's my like my uh, memory of the, the, the Loch Ness. Mm, mm, yeah, we went. Um, when that's okay. <laughs> when we went, we um, we swam in the Loch Ness. What? We found. I don't know if you can, but we did. So you know, well, whatever. Yeah, it was absolutely freezing. It was, as my dad says, nobbling. 
it was freezing and because it's so peaty like it's got so much peat in it in the sun it's like red it's like a orange it's like a bright not bright orange that's like rust um what's peat peat is like it's, it's like a type of um soil i believe i think so i think it's like a type of soil um or something or like decaying yeah it's like decaying plant matter i think one second peat uh, just got my laptop up. So peat yeah, is nice. a brown deposit resembling soil formed by the partial decomposition of vegetable matter in the wet acidic conditions of bogs and vents. So Usually found around mythological creatures. What peat? No, I'm just. I'm just oh right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was like, I was like, I did you not were, register that joke. I was like, what? I was like, what? I was like, I'm not seeing that. I'm on the. I was like, I'm on the Oxford Dictionary, and I was like, there's no mythological oh beings. I was like, where are you reading from? Yeah, exactly. Look Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go for Pete. Yeah, if you see the Pete, you're dodgy like, oh, there's a, yeah, 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 yeah. Look up a dodgy Pete. There's been a monster, <laughs> monster knocking about like. Um, yeah. So yeah. So it was like it's like a it was like orange. Like it was, oh. it was so cold, but it was so nice to swim in there. Um, I wouldn't. We, I was only in there for a little bit, but then um, yeah. yeah, it was just lovely. So it was, that that was like a really nice experience. Just yeah. needed to. Um, my friend uh, Becky, who is another artist, who people should check out, um, oh. Rebecca Wynn Kelly. Right. Shout out to Bex, legend. Um, she does. She's from Cardiff. She used to own and run Milgi with her sister okay. Bex, uh, right. Bex and Gabs. And so she was my boss for a bit, and I worked in Milgi. Um, but then she does wild swimming a lot as her practice. Um, her practice is informed by wild swimming. So oh. she inspired me to go to Loch Ness. Um, yeah, did, it, did it inform your practice? Hmm. I'm not sure. I was talking to Bex about this before. Um, and we were discussing what our practices are. Now, uh, I think of Bex's practice as like flowing water, whereas I think more of mine is like a swamp. Um, or like still water, like stagnant water, you know, like when, like, I imagine like, um, you know, in that, you know, in Lord of the Rings, when mm. in the at the beginning of Return of the King, when um, uh, do, 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 um, Gandalf fights the Balrog and yeah. they like fall forever and mm. then they fall into the water and there's that, like that water in the cave, like still water in the cave. That's what I imagine my practice is. It is still or stagnant water. It is not stagnant. Um, is it is that you, no, 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 yeah, but not in a bad way. I mean, oh, okay. I, I mean, because the work I do is about. Hmm, I know it's always changing, but I think maybe I've always thought of it like a swamp because I think that it has a life cycle that continues. It always grows and changes, and it what's it called? It like um, regenerates itself. Yes, yes, it regenerates and itself exactly. Like, and it, what's the word? Um, oh, what's that word? Like when you have yakult and you have like. The bacteria oh, probiotic. Oh, oh, good bacteria. Yeah, yeah. Pro it's it, probiotic. Yeah, I guess that's the word I'm yeah. looking for. It's like when something is when an entity is like, um, like yeast. Like you, you know, you can. It just kind of survives, like you know, like a sourdough style. Oh, you know, like, yeah. So it's, it's like, like dormant, and then it's, it's regenerate. It's regenerative. Yeah. So that's how you yeah. describe your your work. Yeah, I think so because the work I do is normally dealing with quite. Um, dark subject matter mm. um you know it's it's i mean like although there's allusions to kind of maybe like like the stuff like you know i use like images from like video games or like pokemon or this kind of like a dark humor to it a lot of it is to do with um removing some sort of purging something from me so purging, purging yeah it's purging something when i had my first solo show in cardiff uh loss 
mm-hmm. um, that was a really bleak show. A few years later, I met someone and they were like, oh, your Ethan Dodd is lost. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, that was the bleakest show I've ever seen. And I was like, that is sick. I was like, that is amazing. Yeah, I was like, that, I was like, I was like touched. I was like crying. I was like, that's beautiful. Oh. Um, yeah, it was really nice, actually. So um, Lost was like this show and it was really dark and it was called Lost and it was all about loss of faith and purpose and identity and love and loved ones and stuff. It's all about, and like loss of, mm. it was about the Welsh Valleys and it was inspired by all these kind of ideas of like lost potential and all these, these kind of futures that had been not imagined but had been lost, like, you know, because of the decimation of the industry in Wales, um, especially the South Wales Valleys. Um, depression, suicide rates there are huge, antidepressant rates there are huge. Yeah. You know, it's a very um, troubled place, even though it has a very strong identity and a very strong faith. It's it's very troubled and quite quite mm. poor, um, which is it insane to, to think. The, 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 if you're from the, the valleys or if you're even from Wales, South Wales in general, like that seems to kind of make its way into your artwork. Like the amount of like Welsh artists that I speak to that are like, oh, you know, I like to refer to the, the kind of deprived... It's mm. going on in the valleys mm. and has been for years. Like, really interesting. The deprivation of it. Yeah, you're totally, fourth, totally. I think you're the fourth Welsh person to, have to be on my podcast. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah, you know, keep it, in, keep it in the family. Keep it in the, keep <laughs> in the family. Yeah. I love them. I love you, Welsh. But, well, what can I say? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, we're around and we're always happy to talk. So that's what it's all about. But um, yeah, I think that, yeah, it's interesting. I think that, and also like the Welsh Valleys has this really interesting identity that is so is quite separate from um you know uh west wales and north wales who are welsh speakers and have uh a ve- like you know like um they have the north walians have a very diff- they i mean we are all welsh right but there's a still mm-hmm. there's still those old um D- lines drawn yeah those old yeah, divides yeah, yeah. drawn between welsh speakers and non-welsh speakers you know unfortunately mm-hmm. i mean obviously that that gap is being bridged um you know there's a lot of push for um, Welsh speakers in the yeah. in the art scene in Cardiff. In South, yeah. um, I mean that ha- that can cause um, issues for, for example, if if you know you have opportunities in Cardiff that are solely for Welsh speaking people or are preferred for Welsh speaking people, then that does mm-hmm. um, exclude a certain amount of yeah, people. It limits, um, yeah. yeah, it limits it exactly. And then you know, um, if you're on maybe you know you can that that maybe doesn't help but it does help to keep the language alive and it does help to keep our identity alive but i mean um yeah oh yeah totally i yeah it's an amazing language i i I know like if i if someone speaks welsh to me i can understand what they're saying but i can't Mm -hmm. speak it i can't write it you know like but if someone's speaking i can get the gist um yeah 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 it's it's interesting so um, i've got a neighbor actually who because i live in somerset uh oh wait you're in somerset at the moment are you not you're not, not still in Wales? No, I haven't. Oh my I've God, been living wow. at home with my family uh, for like two years now. Oh my <laughs> God, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, just uh, Chris and I just ran out of money, basically. Made a series of bad decisions, bad luck. and We've just been living with our, fa- uh, our parents, so I've kind of fallen out of touch with Wales, uh, especially right, with right. the lockdown situation. So I really miss course, it, actually. So yeah, it's, it's, talking to you is weird, actually. It's like... It's like Oh yeah, Wales. yeah. I'm I'm not even life. in Wales. Yeah, I'm not even in Wales <laughs> exactly. at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like some. I'm completely somewhere else. Yeah, but I know what yeah, you, you mean. Yeah, you take your boy out of Wales, though. Uh, well, that's it. Then I come up here. Yeah. I ne- I never realised how Welsh I was until I came to Scotland. Exactly. Yeah. Gabby's like, oh, you're Welsh, and I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I've been here for 26 years. Um, <laughs> years. So yeah, I've got a neighbour. Uh, oh yes, neighbour. Yeah, of course. He's, course. he's literally he's, he's lived here. He's like, I think he's like 91, 92 now. Uh, oh my God, fair play. Yeah, fair play, Trev. 
Yeah, you yeah, do, you Chef do well. Trevor. Trevor, yeah. yeah. T Dog, and uh, he he actually lived in uh, where was he born? He was born in um, oh, I was on tip of my tongue. It's in the Welsh Valleys, uh, Triorki. Triorki, that's a classic. That's, that's a that's a that's a very it's a very valleys area, oh, Triorki. That's, that's deep. That's deep valleys, that is. That's <laughs> okay. deep. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that's deep valleys. Uh, he, I think he lived there till he was nine, and then he moved here uh, with his family. But he. Still... Why would you move from Triorki? I. I'm messing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing. There's, there's, probably, there's probably reasons to move from Triorki. Uh, to be fair, it's actually it is lovely around here. But anyway, uh, he um, <laughs> and he still holds on to so much of his wealth. So he's got this mixture of this like proper like country bumpkin accent. And yeah, then, yeah. Like Welsh Valley's accent, and he loves oh, Chris banging. simply because Chris is from Cardiff, and he so he'll just so he, he'll shout he'll shout over to you from like across the road, and be like oh you know you're a world, and it's just this crazy you can't understand him really, like yeah, of course, when he's of speaking course. English, but when he sees Chris, he, he assumes Chris can speak uh, Welsh, so he just starts yeah. like, rambling in Welsh to him, and Chris is just like amazing. <laughs> I'm from Cardiff, I don't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm really South Mick, so uh, yeah, don't talk to me about this. Yeah, oh, he is that. lovely though. It's a uh, yeah. Of course, of course, well, yeah, of course they are. So after I had my first show, I was hit by um, a car like four or five days show, after. Yeah. yeah, 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 the classic. That's the classic story. <laughs> Couldn't. I thought about that he for like a year. Yeah, about like a year. Yeah, well, I did. I did. I got. I got. Well, I, I'm lucky that I didn't. I mean, I only broke my collarbone. I wasn't wearing a helmet or anything. Like it was very lucky. To yeah. I was, you know, I mean, I was incredibly lucky. Um, it's the worst case scenario, but, almost, isn't it? Oh, it was, it was. And I was in a bit of a tiz at that point as well, some personal issues. So I was just in a bit of a, a dark mm-hmm. place. And I had, I felt like I had to rebuild myself after that in some way. So I started working with collage because I couldn't really do anything. So my, it was my right arm, my right gonna, collarbone. I'm going to put a pin in that because I actually wanted to talk to you about that exact thing. But go on. Okay, okay. No worries. So the collaging, I started doing collaging. And then that eventually ended up into these these pieces which were based around mirrors. I started painting on mirrors I found. Yep. Um yep. A lot of the work I do is 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 self portraiture. Basically, I think everything that I do is is self portraiture in a way, yeah. um, and it's exacerbating or accentuating different aspects of myself to create work. Um, normally in darker aspects, but I'm trying to find more hope in it. Um, anyway, I went, eventually I did a show called Gestures, and it was all very colourful and and it was very sweet. And I uh, the way I explained it was it was like um, it was really you know, obviously it was quite dark or the mirrors had quite dark images in them and dark ideas and dark concepts that were related to personal experiences and personal narratives as well as the things I was interested in. Um, and then Robert came back and he came to see that show and he said to me, he was like, it's really interesting. He was like, in the last show, I felt because I used to explain I've used the idea of the dog as a metaphor for explaining these darker mm-hmm. aspects of myself, which eventually ended up as the show Kuna Noon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just going to zip in with this gesture thing to finally say this. Um, but Robert said basically that in the first show, Loss, it was like the dog was in the room with you mm-hmm. and it was like barking. But he said when he saw gestures, he was like, it's the darkness is further away um, and you're pulling something out of it. You're, you're, you're pulling something um positive or, or yeah. kind of beautiful out of the darkness of it so i like the dog was outside you know the dog was barking outside yeah. i know that you've always from going from being at uni with you you've always spoken so clearly and so freely about your work because i just would stand up there and just like babble like a like a mad chicken like i just didn't know what mm. i didn't know what i was going about but i i can't get my words out in um i, don't know what, I haven't quite got the poetry for it i just kind of i see i see 
I get you, but then you know the issue. What I'm going for. Oh, that's I, I think I always I always liked your work. I, I like those um, final paintings you did in the the um, the third year, the one that James, uh, the one that you sold. I love those pieces. They oh, were great. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we they were they were on, on his wall somewhere. <laughs> they're so good. Yeah, I love those pieces. They were Thanks. awesome. Um, but I, do you remember in third year when I had that breakdown in the the um, gap crit? Do you remember that? I talk about that quite regularly at the moment. It's just funny. Maybe I was there for that. Oh, so we had a gap grit and um, like <laughs> a yeah, we had a gap grit. I put barbed wire in it, and someone—I'm not going to name the name—but one of the lecturers was like, "Hasn't barbed wire been done before?" And I literally mm. had a breakdown. <laughs> I was just like, "Well, I guess it's all shit then, isn't it?" And she was just like, "What?" And I was like, "Well, I guess it's all shit, isn't it?" Oh my um, god, I think I do remember this. this yeah, do you remember? Year. And I got like into a bad—I was in a bad way. There was two lecturers, um, both female. I won't say the names, but I'm mm. sure I, if you remember, you remember. And everybody was like really awkward. The whole yeah, class was awkward because I, I was literally. Because obviously, normally I'm quite good with it, and then yeah, uh, yeah I used to have like a breakdown a year. That was my kind of once I had my breakdown, I was alright for another year. <laughs> yeah, as soon as someone gets to the, do you know what I mean? As soon as someone like taught, although I was able to be eloquent, I still had my flaws. Because as soon as someone, do you know what I mean? As soon as someone could like topple me, mm. it was hard to come back from it. Then I think um, the thing is with being a uni lecturer is that they're so um. Like they, they can see what's right under your nose that you can't mm. see, and they know mm. how to, they, they know how to say what hurts you because like ultimately, like it's what they believe to be the truth, and and they've kind of they've done it for years, which is literally just criticizing, mm. but in order to make you thick skin because obviously out in the in the real world, then no of one, course, no one else of course, it. people are going to be even crueler because they don't care about you or know you. Yes, so you're yes, I, I always agree. You. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah, it can. It, it can take that one thing that you just didn't want to hear. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you're probably aware of it, and then you're just like, yeah. "Don't fucking bring it." Why up did you pick up mind. on that? Yeah. Why yeah. did you pick up on the barbed wire? Please. So, no, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It does make you thick mean. skin. It make, you find out what you're what you're made of when you go to art school. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, someone once told me that it's like you put your heart out. Mm. Um, you, like you put your heart out. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And then someone can just like stab it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I went. Yeah. Um, I, when I was in, because um, I did my, I don't know if you did a foundation year before you went to uni. Yeah, I did foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At my, um, I did it in Bath College, and um, oh, yeah. my, like the leader of the course, he was great. He was like the fine art guy. Mm. He said, it, like, I think some girl was crying after being criticised, and uh, and he was Classic. like, Look, it's okay that you're crying. <laughs> yeah, first of many, and uh, mm -hmm. and he was like, it's okay, it's okay that you're crying, it's okay, like we're all here for you kind of thing and he was like it is mm. literally like you've handed over your diary and we're pouring through mm. it and telling you that it's inadequate in some way or do you know what I mean so was, I remember yeah, thinking yeah. like I, I always was really thick-skinned though I, I never because you, you kind of over the three years that you studied or that I studied um mm. you saw people drop like flies because they couldn't yeah it. some people like some people couldn't come back from it yeah it was bad man like you see some people and they just wouldn't be able to come back from it I it's was not like, personal. they're not saying it to personally attack you. Oh no, of course, of course, of course. Do you mean so, they're doing it because it's their job? Yeah, they have it hurts to. Hurts everybody. Like it's, it's not that some people don't feel hurt by it. Like I used to, I know exactly what you mean. Like I probably had a few breakdowns here and there. Mm. Big mm. um, yeah. art school is just made for breakdowns. <laughs> like we're not already like haunted. Yeah, we're not already people. troubled. We're not already troubled, <laughs> and then. You know, art school, like art school's full of people with mental health issues. We and then you... we love it. <laughs> I know, it's the masochism, some sort yeah. of masochism, I believe. Yeah. I was going to say that. I was like, oh, I don't know. That's a pretty big word. <laughs> it's no, a good word, right. though. I think, I think it's very true. I think the masochism is very true. Yeah. Um, so I was yeah. going to ask Sorry. you, because it's funny that you've, like, you literally, you were talking about Canaan um, and you were talking about 
sort of collage. So I, I very clearly remember, um, I don't know if it was second year maybe, um, but we had to pick like a lecturer that we wanted to like hang out with basically, depending on what they taught. So I, I know James Green, he was doing collage and I know yeah. David did like, I think sculpture, something to do with school, or like kinetic or something to do with that. I can't remember. Uh, and I mm. remember you really clearly saying, oh, I'm not going to do James's. I'm not interested in collage. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. funny now that you're like talking about collage and stuff and your work has got a really because uh, Ethan's work used to be massive right it used to, yeah, like, I remember it, in, in, in uni I was like geez, like this is, this is the biggest artwork ever like it's huge like, yeah. it was amazing it was like a force to be reckoned with and now it's like you've downsized and yeah. I, I've always I mean I like everything I love go big or go home but I suppose I've always personally been drawn to like sort of museum style like you can kind of look at little little bits little do you know what I mean like mm. light size and I just wondered why you downsized I think that like originally um when I was obviously when we were in uni the work I was making was very temporal um it was all installation it was all because it was an installation it was basically how do I say it it, it was you know room sized it yeah. was hall sized it was it was the work I was doing was really concerned with like grandiose concepts like life death and rebirth and like heat mm. death and depression and I mean that stuff has come back later but it's more personal I guess um but yeah that work I did in uni like yeah it was so big and so grand but like you know where did that end up do you know what I mean it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's not it's not anywhere I don't want to say important, but that work doesn't really exist anymore. But I guess that was the idea of it. The work was, to, some of it still exists, some of it doesn't. Um, the idea, but then, you know, the idea was that it was temporal. But with downsizing, I think that it became, when, because, you know, I had the collective for a while, didn't I? I had Phosphorus, me and um, Sarah Padre had the Phosphorus collective for a while. Mm -hmm. And I used to think, because I was like trained in installation, because that was the thing I was practicing, the opportunity that phosphorus allowed me um basically allowed me to use the artworks in the exhibition as parts of a larger artwork i always thought of exhibitions as installations like they were what they are one big artwork um and when i was doing those those exhibitions and i mean when i did my last curation which was in 2000 18, I think, when I did the Death and the Maiden shows above the um, Rewing Cafe in the arcades, like those were selected art artworks, selected exhibitions that I chose instead of having a group of people that I was like, can you put something in? I went to certain people and was like, I want this piece in particular. Um, <clears throat> and for me, I always thought of them as big installations, big um, art pieces that I was putting different aspects into a space and they would all make one singular theme or one singular voice right yeah so that eventually led me into um collage basically mm. um because the parts were all there um and in my practice in university and when i first came out of university especially when i did that show loss um the show was a big installation the whole show. like although there was like 12 or 13 pieces in it it was one big artwork and i used to think about exhibitions as one big artwork so as time went on i started downsizing i guess it's because i didn't have much i didn't have the space so i had a studio space after university that was only about like two three meters by two three meters if that 2.5 meters so like you can't make big artworks you know mm. 
And then obviously when I got hit by that car, I couldn't make work anymore, so I had to make collages. It was something that I kind of had been interested in, but it was a way, the way that I saw those collages was um, because they would be like, like, I mean, I was pretty, I was in a very pretty bad way and I was, you know, abusing a lot of substances and wasn't in a good way, really. Um, uh, like, you know, drinking heavily. It was very drinking heavily and I had the broken arms. I couldn't really do anything. Um, and what, arm. well, yeah, I could drink one arm. I could, I could kind of roll cigarettes and I was chain smoking, which I shouldn't do because I have pretty bad lungs. Um, anyway. Use your feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just defeatist. I was so defeatist. Um, and I started making these collages because I was thinking, when I was, when I was hit by that car, I imagined myself to be a 2D form, um, like glass, and I was smashed into loads of different pieces, and I had to rebuild those pieces, um, like a kaleidoscope, basically. Um, I was a singular 2D image of glass, and I was shattered into a kaleidoscope, and as a way of trying to figure out who I was, both therapeutically, um, but also artistically, um, I had to put the pieces back together. So the collages, the digital collages, used to take images from the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I, those pieces I really, really liked. And I'd love to return to them, but I think they were a point in time that I can't they return seemed, to. They seemed really pivotal to me. Like, when I, I was like, oh, Ethan's making these now. Like, it, Yeah, it seems... they were very important to me yeah. and to who I am now. I think they were, the, yeah, pivotal is the right term. It's, I think that was the... It's interesting Sorry. seeing how... Um, like with every artist like obviously I'm, I haven't carried it on I mean I've carried it on in little like different ways but not in the same way you mm. have where you, you, Ethan's one of these people that lives and breathes art like <laughs> thank you I, I've, I've never seen anything like it like I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass it's just I'm just saying what I see like yeah you, you literally breathe, live and breathe art that's why I thought I gotta get him on the podcast because like seriously the dude just I haven't actually had just like a normal just like just someone who's just like a visual artist you know oh uh, right I've okay had, like multiple different creatives on but I, thought, I haven't just had like a just a good solid artist do you know what I mean so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting how yeah like um these things happen to you like you got hit by a car and you maybe didn't have as much studio space like you'll have this line running through your artwork which is basically your life it's like a chronological yes like, yes in this part of his life he didn't have as much space so he had to downsize because nothing's going to stop this guy making art. Like, he can fucking yeah. he can do what you want. Like, he's not going to stop making art. And, um, yeah, and so, and, and I mean, yeah, you've been, like, using glass a lot. That seems mixed. Yeah, that's the new thing. That's the new thing now, the glass. Mm. Because, I mean, conceptually, the, car, the collages were originally, like, um, I used to think of them as, um, uh, I was using context, like a paintbrush. Mm-hmm. So... The images, they had like emojis and they had like things from like 4chan when I was like a teenager and stills from video games and like, you know, like they alluded to traumatic experiences I had when I was with men when I was younger, um, when I was like underaged and Mm -hmm. like traumatic experiences from like, you know, being bitten by a dog when I was three, which is where the dog thing comes from. Um, um, It always became like a nightmare thing. Um, And then like the I was using these they like they i thought of them as as mood boards i thought of them as like clouds mm-hmm. they were like spirals um almost like storm clouds like hurricanes in a way or black holes and i was using the imagery like a paintbrush you know they had like 400 500 layers i got pretty good at doing them like within a week yeah. i would just like bash them out so i couldn't do anything like, else look like glitching out errors like. yeah yeah yeah, yeah Your work exactly is really yeah. Um, relevant to uh just 
this digital age we're living in. So like, I, I never forget, you see, I'm like an elephant. I also remember you saying, <laughs> I think it's literally the last time I saw you actually. I think I'd just done a gig at the moon and I was in the gatekeeper pub. Yeah. And I bumped into you. Uh, I hadn't seen God, you. How long ago must have that been? Probably Did I have short hair years. at the time? I don't remember. I just have, oh, yeah. I have a, an overall image of Ethan in my head. Uh, and uh, it doesn't really, I, I can't really, do you know can't change. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How but you like, look I now do... is not how I remember you in my head. No, okay. no, no. Now I'm like kind of longish here and like tired. <laughs> like still thing. oversized clothes, still oversized clothes. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway, it's the thing. Yeah. And I remember Sorry. you saying, like, you were like, oh, I don't know where my fucking friends are. They, you're like, they were just sitting around the table, they were just looking at memes, and I hate memes and all this. So you, you, you expressed your distaste for memes. And I was like, and now I yeah, now I use them. Like, and now your work is like, and not you don't doesn't mean that you necessarily like memes or like oh yeah, I fucking love memes, but just that yeah. you um, you definitely let them. I would say they've penetrated. Well, like, yeah, work, I think which I love. I I love it so much. Like that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, I think it like penetrated it, the, the 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 kind of work I did. Because, I, I mean, I, when I was, like, a contrarian, edgy teenager, I used to go on, like, 4chan and stuff. And I was like, yeah, memes are great. And then memes became, like, kind of really, really in the mainstream. And I was like, God, I hate this. Like, oh, this is so lame. And now I'm, like, embracing it. I guess being a teacher last year made me realise, like, it's, like, how uncool I actually am sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to lean into the uncool bit of me way more. So I remember um, the original memes. Oh, I know, yeah, like the OGs. Yeah, like I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday about um, the digital realm, the digital human, and it was talking about monsters. And it was talking about like creepypastas like Ben Drowned oh. and like Smile Dog and yeah. like talked about like the Lavender Town Syndrome. And I was like, and my, my lecturer sent me that and was like, oh, you should look at this. And I was like, Alan. Yeah. I was like, I was there when they were made. <laughs> yeah. I, was, like, I, I was like, I was like, this, I was like, I was like, what the fuck kind of world am I living in? That literally yeah. a decade, like more than a decade after I was there, this is being debated by academics. I was like, this is mind-boggling. I was like, my brain is melting. I was like, I'm having a spiritual awakening. <laughs> like, I, was like, I'm trans- yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm transcending. This is something, it's something crazy. How it's very interesting. How, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. Um, just this idea of like how the internet and how the com- communication between people of memes uh, yeah. has now become its own thing it's, it's like it's become yeah. alive like um, yeah. like the, like Slenderman it's kind of like oh my god the Slenderman have you ever watched the, yeah have you ever watched the Marble Hornets series that was on YouTube oh. so Marble Hornets was one of the big guys who made Slenderman big basically right and because Slenderman was made with, some, it with the cryptids no, Marble Marble Hornets was really early. This was like early 2010s, late 2000s. Okay. Um, and Good Marble, time. so it was a sweet Sle- spot that one. Yes, it was a great time, great time. So Slender Man was made on the Something Awful forums in a contest to make um, a, uh, uh, a monster, basically. And then this this YouTube channel called Marble Hornets, which I rewatched recently, only for watching this for this this podcast being recommended to me. And I was like, I'm going to rewatch Marble Hornets because mm. I sent them to. A friend of mine on my course is doing fairy tales. There's a lot of like allusions between our work on our course. You know, it's yeah. very interesting monsters and things, and medieval imagery and totally. things like that are coming through. Um, anyway, Marble Hornets, this guy did like found footage, and in every video, Slenderman's in the back of them, and it's stalking him, and he's trying mm. to. He doesn't want to tell anybody because if they know about it, then they'll be stalked by it. It's really good. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that internet culture kind of came back in a big way because when I. I think when I 
when I was did loss um, and the kind of work I was making in uni, like it was concerned with grandiose stuff because it was just concerned with grandiose stuff because I thought that was the kind of work I wanted to make. It was like, you know, I was inspired by Anselm Kiefer. I was inspired by um, kind of like religious art a lot and like, you know, rehearsed and, and, you know, the classic big, you know, big male artists. And I was really interested in those people, um, kind of influenced by Louise Bourgeois as well. Um, yeah. But then as time has gone on, my work's become... I guess more personal, but but more f- like more delicate. I think like it's become, mm. especially the glass that I've been making now. Um, so it, obviously, if you don't know what I'm doing right now, um, I'm making mirrors, um, and I always kind of worked with mirrors. Like as I've said before, my, all my work is like some form of self-portraiture um, conceptually, um, and as as my work got darker before becoming lighter where it is now, um, I always used to say that. The, the the work that was on in the shows or on the wall um you know my family would approach me and be like you know this is really dark like are you okay and i was like and i was like yeah like like you know my family have a lot of history of mental health issues there's a lot of stuff going around you know there's been suicides and like severe anxiety in the, in the family um it's right. pretty bad anyway it, it is funny it's no it's okay no it's okay no dude dude, dude it's okay like it's it is what it is i mean it's yeah. not like Get it's not like I, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just life. That's just life in there. Anyway, anyway. So back to positive stuff. So the work is I'm only better because that is actually a part of the practice. Anyway, it's just, it's just, you know? just, just say it like it is, isn't it? Like exactly, exactly. So um, the work I used to say that when I was making these dark, really dark works that were about self harm and suicide and like you know reference gallows and, and things like that, um, depression and, and, and numbing. They were always, I always used to think of them as as long as they're made and they're physical, they're no longer within me. So as long as they're outside of me, they're no longer a part of me. Now, I've always tried to think of a way to contextualize this. And I was had a bit of an epiphany last night writing about um, this idea of fairy tales. And, and um, I was listening to a podcast and they were saying about fairy tales being really interesting as a therapeutic tool, because in a fairy tale, they have archetypes, they have characters, but they don't have like personalities. They don't have human traits. They are like, for example, Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel are curious. That is their only character trait. And the mm-hmm. witch likes to eat children. That is it, right? But they're such free and such hollow um, vessels that one can put into them everything that they want to and can relate them to themselves in such a... Yeah direct and personal way um, and unique way so the way they talk about fairy tales is they talk about when you make um i've been doing a lot uh, i mean classic me a lot of the work i'm doing at the moment is like about violence and i've been reading lots of books about like sacrifice and like self-harm and violence and the invisible hands of violence in 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 the world we live in especially late stage capitalism um when how they inform masculinity and how they inform um violence and vulnerability and you know two sides of the same coin violence is a cause of and an effect of and and an effect of vulnerability and you know especially in this kind of world that we live in oftentimes violence is the only answer and the only way that us as um humans when reduced to base emotions and instincts can react to the issues that are prevalent in our world um yeah but sorry that was like quite a lot to unpack but in the fairy tale ideology they basically say that oftentimes a much more effective and easier way to understand oneself um, is when you think about fairy tales and and um, imagery and iconography and maybe characters the, mm. the the thing on the the opposite side to you a villain 
represents basically ultimate bad, right? I mean, villains that are better, like Ozymandias from Watchmen, great. His ideas are much mm. better than the Watchmen. He's a great villain. But normally villains, as an idea, represent... Yeah, I, my cat's called Ozzy. Like, his form uh, is Ozymandias. Genius. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Which, like, I've got it on my bookshelf. I'm actually probably going to reread it soon because I love that book. Um, I've got a big backlog, <laughs> yeah, though, so I should really read that before I get through it. Anyway... So in a, a villain normally is all of the bad aspects of oneself and the hero is all of the good aspects of oneself. Mm-hmm. Now, the work that I do in its inherent badness, in its inherent darkness, is a removal of all of the darkness of myself in order to perceive myself as good. It's a therapeutic thing. Yeah. So now that I'm working in mirrors, um, which are at the moment made of weapons, uh, you know, the mirrors, mm-hmm. uh, the mirrored glass that I cut myself or, or break, and then I re reattach together with solder. Um, I solder them together back together to these these basically shapes, mirrors, symbols, um, which references the collages. You know the images and those the symbols are being repurposed now yeah. um, into something else, um, into these these objects which act as specters or or, or, or images or, or they're not images. They, they yeah they are images. They're images or symbols or specters or or objects in which are only galvanized and brought back to life when one looks into them much like how weapons and helmets are in real life a metaphor for um, violence, but they themselves do not cause violence. They are just a vessel in which violence can be undertaken. Um, Sorry, if you're listening, just check out Ethan's latest work because what he's talking about right now, it's like these pieces that are just really elegant but really grisly at the same time. Yes, yes. Grisly, I think, is probably... Because they look dangerous. Like, you can tell you've made them... Um, I I don't want to say dangerously, but obviously you're cutting up you're cutting up like glass and shit and like it's in my room, yeah, as well yeah. because I don't have because I can't, I can only go into my studio at the moment on my course once a week because of COVID. Mm, I have a, I'm literally it's okay. I'm literally sitting on a table right now. I'm sitting at my table. I have a desk by the window and I have a desk in front of a sofa in my room, and I just make the glass there. Like I have to wear like I wear like a big like respiratory mask and open the windows when I do the song. Like Jeremy, it's very like Do you just sleep yeah, the... on a bed of glass? You're, all your oh yeah, 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 yeah. I actually I actually <laughs> got really it. I like a... this is really visceral and gory, but I actually got a little bit of glass at my nose last night and when I was like oh, pulled I it out, it like yeah, it like cut my nose and it was bleeding. <laughs> I was gonna like, ask you about it. I was like, Yeah, so you Yeah, nose. only a small bit and I could I could feel it go <laughs> down my nose when I pulled it out, it was horrible. Anyway, that's horrendous. I'm sorry, that's really like visceral body horror. But um yeah, so the work, yeah, it is like glass and leads, you know, the soldering, the solder is sometimes lead, sometimes not. So I am looking after myself, you know, I wear gloves, I wear mm-hmm. uh, PPE, you know. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've just you gone on like a huge, <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm literally the king of basically, I've well, just no, gone on a huge rant then. No, about I, it, but... honestly, I, I do the same thing. Sometimes you've got to, you have to say everything to make one point. Um, yes, yes. And I know we were talking about Slenderman. Like, literally, we were talking yes. about Slenderman. And then you went on this big thing. But I, I get it. Like, because um, you were talking about how you have to get this thing out of you. Like, it's, it's, it's like purging, right? And, um, yes, it has to come out. It has to leave. I'm no longer in you. They're, they, they're out into the world. They're the world's problem. And kind of just like unburdening yourself. Well, it's like yeah. Slenderman. We're talking about Slenderman. And we're saying yeah. how, um, well, actually, my other half, he's read. Um, what's the book? What's it called? 1984. I've never read it myself. Oh yes, I haven't read it either. To be honest, I should, I should really read it. And you should because yeah. yeah, it's your kind of thing. I should definitely read it. Everyone should read it, especially in the times that we're living in now. Um, mm. And one of the one of the sort of main themes in there is like this idea of what truth is, and that it doesn't. Yeah. What truth is doesn't it doesn't have to be truth. It's just what people 
continuously say is the truth. You don't actually yes. need. Yes. So it's like one of the characters. What is it? He's saying like, "What's two or two And then and he keeps saying four, and they just keep hitting him. Oh yeah, they keep and hitting. I've heard about that. Yeah. So he says like it's five or something, and then he's, he'll go, "Okay, fine, it's five And they hit him again or something, and they're like, "You don't believe it." Yeah, they, they you have to believe need it. You to actually believe what is not true, so that they mm. can have utter mm. control over. Control. Them, yeah. I find that really interesting. And so it's like this idea of Slenderman and cryptids, like coming into this, like coming into the professional world, like you said, it's this idea of like, if you believe something enough, especially in this day and age where everything is digital, everything is, um, oh God, now I'm going on a ramble now because you like, on, I'm absorbing everything you're saying and I'm like, right, pinpoint that bit, yeah. pinpoint that bit. I know, I've got, a, I've got to pinpoint something you've said as well. So I'm yeah, like, God, I'm going to return just to say, yeah. I was like, I know we could. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's this idea of like what is it doesn't matter what's true, it just matters how people act and how people yes. react to the idea of something like Slenderman or your work or I was um like I said, I've been babysitting my niece and mm. I one of my favourite things to do with her I was gonna save this for another podcast one day, but like screw it, I'm just gonna say it now because it's relevant. Okay. <clears throat> by the way, if you wanna we can we can continue talking over the hour. I'm I don't really have to I have to leave by like half two, but like okay, yeah, do you cool. know what I mean? Nice one, nice one. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. Okay. To be honest, yeah, I hadn't even considered your, your time limitations and you're a busy man. Yeah. I have nothing else to do today. Um, okay. I'm gonna Let's go ahead. Let's keep later. going. Like, I'm looking forward nice. to that. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Once yeah. I edit some of this, this banging podcast. Anyway, so I was dancing around the One of my favourite things to do with my niece is to dance around the kitchen with her um, to various types. She loves Hey Ya. Who doesn't love Hey Ya? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, she loves No Doubt. Banger. You know, she loves a bit of Gwen. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and have you heard of St. Vincent? St. Vincent, I know, yeah. Yeah, I love St. Vincent, I love her stuff. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, I'll put a really good booty shaking one on, because that's what you've got to play to a one-year-old, you've got to get something on. That yeah, of course, gonna, yeah. I'm going to sit there and play Pink Floyd to her or something, you know? Of course, yeah, of course, yeah. Booty shaking. So I put on a song called Digital Witness. Okay. And it's one, it's my probably my favourite song by her, it's just this really catchy beat. But the lyrics are really profound. And I stupidly have never stopped and thought about what the lyrics meant. Um, mm. But the song's called Digital Witness, so it's it's literally about what we perceive in life is literally mm. just really what we do online. So the chorus, what the, what the digital witness says, oh, what is it? Basically, she's saying, what's the point in, in doing anything if you don't, like, did you even do it if you didn't make a story? Mm. Mm. So, um, what's the chorus? I, I recommend it because it's, it's really interesting. And okay. It's very yeah. Send, send it to me afterwards and I'll have a listen to it. I will, yeah. And I just, I was looking out the window. I was like holding her on my hip and I was dancing around. And I was like, oh my God, this song is, I realise what it's about now. I've been singing the lyrics for God knows how long. And I didn't realise that she's literally just saying mm. like, <laughs> we just, we, if we, if you don't film what you've done mm. in this day and age and this, this time that we're living in, it's pretty much like you don't exist and you didn't do it. It's yeah. There's this idea of, it. um, have you ever heard of the term tulpa? What's that? So a, tulpa, a tulpa is like an esoteric, um, it's a being, it's like an entity, right? So a tulpa okay. is a being in which, if you imagine in it enough, it will exist. Mm. So, like, it often appears in, like, esoteric occultism and things like that. I've used it a lot in work. I did a, I did a film called Tulpa, which went to Japan, which I actually haven't got a copy of. It's somewhere in Tato Bosch's archive. And it is... Um, a tulpa is basically like a being in which um, you believe. So if you believe in something enough, it'll come true. And the idea is that if you believe in an entity enough, it'll it'll come true. It'll manifest, um, it'll manifest exactly. So I think that's really interesting right now, thinking about obviously doing work about 
darker things are also thinking about you know we you know because people like the idea of celebrities as well you know and like rumors and legends like if you believe in them enough they become maybe not real but tangibly real in the sense yeah. that you could imagine that they exist i mean i don't believe in the idea that tulpas you know i mean people can will things into existence in the sense of like birthing a yeah. real life do you know what i mean like an entity can't just phase into existence just vibrate into existence because everybody believes in it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. but the idea of something can exist yeah i believe that i believe that that important i agree i agree i think that's what's really interesting right now like think about things like that like that yes going around in different um parts of the world for mm. like hundreds and hundreds of years like and hundreds and hundreds yeah different things. yeah like these guys and in, in like what the i don't know the 14th century or whatever i don't know they kind of been communicating but they're talking of about course. this idea of what a vampire is this this creature that somehow lives off of your life force yes um it's this idea that that is has just been in the human race for mm. ever and it's just it's, yeah so even though it's just, it's, yeah but it's just like a being that yeah exists, exists. It's something that we all yeah. agree on what is your relationship with social media then what's your because you're really good at it you're really good at um just sort of like making yourself really well known and making yourself like marketable like your work is just at the moment yes it's way more marketable but it hasn't been for years um what i mean by that is like you just look professional probably the, the better way of saying it there's um, some stories I post though that are not professional, and I know there's some people, people who are like. People like that. Yeah. People like to see the human side of. That's what makes yeah. you want to buy something from somebody, or yes, uh, true. Just in, interact with them is because they they seem like a real person and like yeah. your friend. Yeah. It's all about it's social media, isn't it? It's yes, it's, it's becoming friendly with people, and then for your alg- yeah. algorithms will be connected and all this stuff. Um, mm. So yeah, I always thought you know Ethan's really good with just just keeping his keeping his stuff out there and just yeah uh, and I, you're well really i mean prolific. you make a lot of i work think that social media of course of course i think the social media has a, a very poisonous aspect to it and you know i'm not gonna lie and say that in the past i haven't um you know been intoxicated by the idea of it and and you know like maybe make you know sometimes you make things or post things in a certain way because you know it will attract likes um which is difficult because you know you you, i mean you know there's always the debate between commercial artist and a real artist uh that's 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 terrible i remove that like a commercial artist and an artist who stays true to themselves even if their work is not sellable do you know what i mean yep um I think there is always a dichotomy of, 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 you know, I mean, there's the idea of selling out, which I don't really think exists. When you're oh, younger, no. when you're younger and full of piss, piss and vinegar, you think that, do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I can't sell out. Do you know what I mean? I have to mm-hmm. be true. I have to be true. Yeah. And I think, I think recently I've gotten a lot better at it because of the fact that, um, I mean, when I used to make those kind of like transient temporal installations, they didn't really, you know what I mean? They didn't really... Um, work very well um because my instagram was more of like a a diary Mm -hmm. um and recently about i don't know maybe like a year ago or something i started to think of my instagram as a portfolio uh, which would be a more beneficial way of thinking about it so i used to have like a thousand two hundred posts or something and i reduced myself down last year i think at the beginning of maybe at like march time to 57 posts yeah. Um, so I just deleted so much of my of my Instagram yeah, so because there's not. They've neatened up. 
Yes, yes. There's an there's an Instagram uh, called Richie Richie Culver, who's an artist from Hull. I really, really like Richie Culver. He's very funny. Um, did a very famous series called uh, did a piece called Did You Come Yet? That's so funny. They got big pay in. It just says Did You Come Yet? And like people went and it went and got featured on loads of art pages. And then people went ballistic. They were like, What the fuck is this? This is you awful. That for so long, this has gone right over my head. I'm yeah, like, yeah, but Richie Culver, like Richie Culver. I know, I know. But it's, it's only if you're on the Insta- if you're on the Instagram kind of spheres, you know, you might know of it. Yeah. Um, because he's used Instagram really effectively. And basically what he did is they made a book of all of the best comments, replies are so good. It's literally so mm-hmm. funny and like sold them and like made money. Like, do you know what I mean? Like he knows what he's doing. Anyway, and he, his Instagram is he will post things and then delete them. So he hasn't got many posts on his Instagram. Um, but he does, do you know what I mean? He posts things yeah. and then deletes them. And I remember seeing his profile and just thinking, like, I really need to, as you know, we said earlier about downsizing and crystallizing. I was like, I really need to, make my practice and the way that I interact with social media more effective. I don't, I hardly use Facebook now. I literally only use Instagram. I, I only use yeah. Facebook to go on like, at the moment I'm part of Brilliant Barter in Glasgow, which is one of the best groups ever, which basically no one exchanges money. You just exchange things. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, like later on, I'm going to go pick up some mirrors from three different, oh, actually, I don't know if I can say that because of lockdown. I'm going to pick up some mirrors um, and I'm just trading things for them. It's really, really good. It's really clear. Like no money, which is great. Um, old school. Yeah. Yes, yeah, old school. It's sick. The work that I'm doing right now, especially, is very, it's, it's, it makes so much sense. Like other work that I've made before. You've got I've your own st- language going on with it. Yes, it's yes. got its own, exactly, its own lexicon. Language. Whereas before, yeah, Eastern language, yeah, which I've built up over years. You know, I think I've always, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've, people, have, you know, I, I know that I've had a language that, like, you know, even despite what I do, I know that people know it's my work, um, which is, you know, obviously something that I, it comes with practice, and obviously I practice a lot. Um, that sounds so. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, yeah, I practice a lot. No, you know what I mean. Just like, just, I just gotta have to. I just feel like I need to. It's just something I like to do. Um, yeah. Even though it is a bit of like a job now. Anyway, but I think that what I'm doing now is, is, is like, it feels like the culmination of everything before it. Um, and it feels like such a refinement and a, and a, and a uh, you know, I've always liked minimalism. So I've never really been able to make work. Like when I did installations and stuff, they were minimalist, but they weren't. And this seems like, you know, the, the broken night helmet mm. is, you know, there's so much in it. Like, is it a ghost? Is it like, you know, a ghost of a night that has come forth from a graveyard? Um, or it, there's ideas there of like being given or like inheriting this this armor that's a representation of masculinity that is broken that that, that wouldn't work. Um, there's also ideas of like you know armor being so heavy and the idea of like the the kind of like chink or the weak point in the armor. Like, is the armor worth it? If it, if you you know what I mean is 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 it worth carrying the armor your entire life if you can still die from it? Mm. You know. If it suffocates you, if it wait, if it if it if it crushes you, yeah. there's all these different things going on in there. Endurance, this thing that's meant to be exactly, you, exactly, strengthening yeah. you, whatever. It's actually just hindering you. But yeah. Also, just the image of the 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 knight and the helmet. They really give me the creeps. Like, um, I love Scooby. They're like traditional masculinity. Yeah, yeah. They um, it's always this idea of like, is there someone in there? The black knight ghost. Show? Yeah, the black knight ghost. Yeah. It's very it's very spooky. Very spooky. Yes, which is what I want. I wanted them to be. Uh, you know, like Spectres of, there's that, you know, piece by, Der- that um, essay by Derrida called Spectres of Marx, and it talks about automatons and the idea that humans build machines that replace humans. 
Um, when I kind of think of these entities as automatons, I, you know, they're ghosts, they're spectres. Um, you know, sometimes they have eyes or cracks that look like eyes, but I don't think that they don't think there's anybody in them. Yeah. They just, they just, yeah, they're entities. You know, they're in, they're they're, they're empty shells. Um, and originally were about masculinity, but they're becoming about something else. You know, um, I'm gonna be making clowns next. Yeah. Which, yeah, like like fools, like jesters, because they are another form of masculinity that I'm really interested mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, Do you think so? That's like, next. I remember like the um, like things like tarot cards and like obviously the idea of yes. the fool. I've been really interested in the idea of the fool lately. Um, I love the fool. I've Such had, a great like, card. Lightning bolts hit me in the head recently. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like just lightning bolts, just of epiphanies, just hitting me in, in the face. Like I've never. Yeah, had that that's life. great. Recently, I've been having it, and I was just like, I come to write songs. I'm like musical Mm, i've written a couple of songs like just about this idea of like the fool and i was like oh it's this idea that like if you if you get that card and it's like the right way up it means good things it means like you know you're going to plunge into something that is the unknown but you're probably going to land on your feet and then if you get it upside down Mm. you're being an idiot and you're you're being reckless and you're 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 not going to land on your feet you're going to you're just going to get laughed at you're just this this Mm. person who's just like walking off a cliff and there I was like, oh my mm. god, like I really love this concept and actually really relate to it. Um, yeah, totally. I think a totally. lot of people do, don't they? It's, it's, it's a good yeah. thing. Um, I think the idea of, um, how do you say, like the idea of, um, you know, like removing fear mm-hmm. is something that I think a lot of people are really, really need to have because yeah. fear is, you know, fear is, I don't know who says it, but fear is the mind killer. I can't remember who says that. There's a really famous person who says it, and they yeah. say that fear is, um, yeah, fear is the it's mind the killer. To, it's the worst thing that, to happen upon mankind. Like it's, it's one of the worst things that we can experience is fear, and unfortunately, it's in everything. It's like literally in everything, and it's right under our noses, and we don't even know it. Like I, I recently mm. did a podcast with just me talking. Um, yeah. And it, I, I don't know if you listened to it, but I said in it. Um, that like it was i i heard this from like another podcaster who i'm like, who i listen to who i find really inspiring she mm. says fear is uh, perfectionism is fear in a tuxedo mm. and i was like shit oh my god it really truly is like because obviously perfectionism is just another form of fear and yes um, yeah anything that holds you back is probably because of fear and I was yeah like, and it, this idea of perfectionism being this thing like oh it's really fancy it's it's got you know i'm perfectionism like, i'm a perfectionist i have to do it correctly and I, I won't put anything mm. out until i know it's perfect and that's a good thing no it's fear in a tuxedo it's this, this poison that's pretending it's mm. this thing that's just completely helping you fear is yeah it's scary i think the fear is so interesting because i mean the with the work that i uh, it's so hard it's so so hard to remove the idea of fear, especially mm-hmm. when thinking about work and especially when relating it to other people and, choice. you know, comparison, social media. I just, a little while ago, I just unfollowed loads of people that I feel, felt like I wanted to be. Same. Yeah, because I was like, it's not helping me. It's not making me feel any better. Um, it makes it me feel... you, but ultimately you got to... Yeah, okay. I don't, but I don't even know if it was inspiring me. I think yeah. that maybe I, I, I knew fundamentally that it was just like a, a method of... Um, you know, it's like some sort of like, you know, like nicety for nicety's sake or yeah. it's just, you know, it's not, it's not great. But um, yeah, I, I completely agree with the idea of like the, um, how do you say, the um, fear is the mind killer and stuff. Um, it's, um, 
it's scary. It's scary. Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, scary. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. There's a, I, I'm doing a lot of stuff in my course at the moment about research and different types of research. And there's um, a type of research. I don't know how much you know about research, but like academic research. Right. It, normally, it, research. I've it heard ha- of it. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we all it. we have all heard of research. <laughs> I think yes, not for a very long yes. time. <laughs> so, like, you know, in like research, there's like qualitative and quantitative data. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, qualitative is like good stuff. Quantitative is just lots of stuff, right? Statistic based. Mm-hmm. Um, but qualitative is lesser, but it's maybe more potent mm-hmm. um, and more personal. So there's a type of research called autoethnography. Um, so ethnography is like um, it's like researching of like experiences, researching of like a type of understanding the world through academia. Um, and narrative ethnography is a form of that in which you you explain a story and you you kind of put academic references into it. And it, it's about um, having an involvement in the process of research, but and also a story to go along with it. But then you bolster that up. Now autoethnography is a type of research method in which you um, research from yourself. You are the subject of research. So you make work from your memories or you make work from your, your history or your past. And that is qualitative data. Now, obviously, that's fundamentally flawed, right? Because on the subjective nature of research or objective nature of research, if you're researching yourself, it's completely, um, pre- not prejudiced, but completely... Um, it's it's you. It's 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 influenced by you, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so when you do autoethnographic research, you have to say like, oh yeah, like it's you know I'm, I'm not very well versed on this, but there's something that's really interesting to me, and it's like this idea that oh yeah, like obviously it's prejudiced or or changed because it's it's from me. It's 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 um, it's influenced by me. So it's obviously it can be paradoxical. It, it it can be you know some people would argue that it's not even research at all, but it's also a form of research that can't really be argued with. Because how can you tell someone that their memory is wrong yeah. or their history is wrong or their experiences are wrong? You can't. I think if I made work about other people and other mm-hmm. things, which I have done in the past, there's always the issue that or, or things that I maybe don't really understand without having secondary research. There's always a, an idea of fear. There, cause I'm like, I don't want to misrepresent. I don't yeah. want to, to misjudge. I don't want to, to mess this up. But when you make work from yourself and, and if it's done through intuition and and um introspection and personal stuff narratives and, and memories it can't it, like it you shouldn't be fearful because it's there you can't do you know what i mean like if someone like do you know what i mean like someone can argue the execution but the concept and the inf- yeah. and the the starting point can't really be argued exactly and, yeah it's the true yeah. authentic self coming out exactly yeah. exactly yeah yeah so people so i always think that i guess yeah i completely agree with you with fear and it's taken me a long time to unlearn self-criticization from the institution because the institution always teaches you to criticize yourself and always have a meaning for things yeah, yeah, yeah. um i mean i still believe in meaning in art you know i do a lot of work as conceptual but yeah, your i think must that be very different now that you're not at uni um and but now i'm at uni but i'm at uni now. again though yeah, see yeah. i'm at, I'm at do, yeah but it's i've had those years of just being me mm-hmm. and figuring out what that is and mm-hmm. having peers that aren't in the institution you know that are friends yeah. and, and people who are like, oh, this and this, which has been good, which has been really good and beneficial. But yeah. That's the thing. It's like um, um, you have to live in the real world to get real experiences to inspire you to make work. So Exactly, exactly. Think, yeah, being at, being at uni or, like you said, constantly having to learn how to criticise yourself, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult to think outside of that. So. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I applaud you for continuing your practice outside of that as well because obviously it's what you want to do you're like driven to do that so yes yes don't waste any time don't swan about I, I try yeah don't swan about I try not to try not to this correctly kunanun kun yeah kunanun kunanun is that how you say it okay right yeah yeah w, w sound is like a ooh sound yeah yeah chris yeah. and i chris is really he's been interested in this like this mythological um entity amongst like mm. i think just welsh uh, welsh mythology is, is really interesting and um and i saw that that's like uh, on your website that's like what you've been up to recently is like in, in, in uh, incorporating that idea into your work I just wanted to hear you talk mm. about it a bit. Like I, I think the um, the idea of the symbol of dogs in anything is just so fascinating um, because they're kind of like the man's best friend. There's like on one hand, there's this like loyalty, and mm. then on the other side, it's like they're also a big fat symbol of death. Yes, it's yes, terrifying and like it's like in, in Egyptian um, mythology, it's like that he he's like taking you. Um, He's, he's guiding you through. There's the two brothers. What are their names? Is, is it Anubis? And there's the other one. Is it Osiris? Osiris is the king. Yeah, but I don't it, think Anubis it, is. Oh, what's his name? Is it Anubis or is it... What's the other name? I can't remember. I'm sure it's... Anubis is the... Um, is he the dog? Anubis is the dog. Yeah. yeah he's the, like the Anubis is the dog Anubis. of death. Yeah, he's the god of death. Yeah. But I don't know if... The, I don't. I think Osiris is the king of the underworld. But I know Anubis got, is the one that... He's got a brother that... Like, he, he initially greets you. And then oh, I don't know that one. You to like the other side, and um, I yeah, I just, I just, I, I have a very surface level knowledge of it. I think everybody okay, yeah, was like interested in the Egyptians, weren't they? Like growing up, yes, like, oh, yes, shit, definitely, really interesting. Like, ah, oh, this is so cool. Um, yeah, just dogs—they're really, really spooky image. Yeah, They're also man's best friend. So I wanted to hear you talk yes. a little because when I saw that that was that was what you've been doing recently, I was like, oh, sick! Like, yeah, I'll get him to talk about that for sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, um. Discuss. Okay, so dogs, dogs, do you like dogs, as um, Brad Pitt once said in um, Snatch, uh, for me, are always been a representation of, like, darkness or depression. Um, when I was three, I was um, attacked by an Alsatian on yep. the way to the bus stop, and, like, it didn't, I mean, it grabbed me under my left arm and, like, kind of dragged me around the bit. What were you doing going on a bus at the age of three? You were just, what, going to... I was going to school. Going down the mines, like... <laughs> 
that's racist. No, I'm messing. <laughs> no, I'm messing. No, I no 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 no. No, no. no. I was like, I was like, um, um, don't know about that, G. I know you've got about the Somerset, but no, <laughs> absolutely fine, absolutely fine. Um, no, I was going to I was going to school on the bus, and my dad was walking me down the bus stop, and this Alsatian bit basically grabbed me and dragged me to the floor and dragged me around a bit. Um, yeah, it was pretty bleak because obviously I'm quite a small person, and when I was a baby, I was even smaller, so like very small. So like an Alsatian was a pretty big, fu- big fucking when dog I was a baby, at the time. I was smaller than I am now. Yes, yeah, it was a big dog, a scary dog, wolfy. Um, yeah. Yeah, so dogs, I guess, have always been a kind of metaphor in my practice. Um, I mean, they, you know, I've used chains in my work a lot, and dogs have that kind of, like, allusion to, like, servitude and have that allusion mm. to, you know, I don't want to say slate, uh, you no, know, know, like... Yeah, like slave. Yeah. yeah i know i don't like i don't like using that term so maybe like submission would be a better way of using it like mm-hmm. submission and, and you know like pet play and things like that there's all these different domestic yeah domestically yeah, exactly domesticated things like that yeah. there's like the ideas a dog maybe represents something deeper and darker um about you know masculinity as well mm-hmm. um i guess the issue that i have is that how do i say um, dogs are a representation of darkness, I guess, mm. in the work. They, they're representative of lots of different things. Um, and when I did my show last year, Kunanun, so Kun, so as I spoke about earlier, um, the idea of loss was that it was the first, the dog was in the room with you. And then the second show was like the dog was further away like outside and the Kunanun show I wanted it to be that the dog had left that the dog had gone but, but this, the show was what was left behind yeah so the dog represents you know um, trauma and depression and, and violence um, memory um, darkness and, and the Kunanun basically uh, translated from Welsh dogs of the other world because yeah. Anun is the other world are um the hunting dogs of King Aran, who um, is the overseer of Anun, and they're basically hellhounds, they're early hellhounds. Now, mm. they're white dogs, completely white, with red-tipped um, paws and, and ears. They look pretty bad. Um, yeah, they're cool. They're very cool, cool animals, um, <laughs> even though they don't exist. But they have this idea based around when they hunt, like, wicked souls, so they hunt wretched souls, that's what they hunt mm. is. And the further away they are from you, the louder they are. So when they get close to you, they get quieter. And then when they pounce on you, they're silent. Um, and I guess in the in that show, um, there was a series of works in there. There was a the the main piece in the show was called Coon and Noon, and it was um, a film um, in which I used a image generator and like an AI image generator to create and i fed it true stories so i fed it a story about being with a man when i was younger when i was 16 and it was quite traumatic Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a sadist and then i um also run through the story of the dog biting me um and attacking me and i run them both through the the image generator and the image generator created images and flashed them and i turned it into a film that i spoke over Mm. um I have the piece somewhere. I'm pretty sending it to you. Show it's not really yeah. shown at the moment because it's it's very like rough and ready. And I I have this kind of aesthetic of like I don't I like to get people to help me sometimes, but sometimes it's better if I just make it. And it's like and if it's really bad, then that kind of becomes part of the yeah it becomes that part of the work. So mm-hmm. the the film was shown upstairs in a completely 
empty room in the gallery and all of the screws and nails from the previous show were all just left in the walls. I was like, you just, I was like, I don't need to paint the walls. I want it to be really like rough and like empty and like kind of nasty like to be in. A sketch. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then you've got this. Not meant to see it. Yeah. Like it's like it's and then you've got this one TV that's about like like twelve inches by like you know eight inches and it's flashing it has an epilepsy warning so it's flashing and it's it's got me narrating this film at like three in the morning um, yeah. during uh, yeah and it's like really like not a pleasant experience but the the show was all about this idea of these dogs that that hunted wretched souls and the idea was that i was the wretched soul the dog had hunted mm. and all of this kind of fallout all these pieces like they had the ceramic tumors that i made in second year were there um there was a piece they called Toad Vine, which is based on a book called Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, which is one of my favourite books ever. There's a character in there. Um, and it's a big, long, black iron spear made from a railing um, that's covered in poisonous crystals. That was a metaphor for my masculinity. Um, and the idea that, because the crystals were poisonous, but they were stable, um, but they would, if they were to um, be in acid, they would dissolve and they would release cyanide and kill, some, kill people. Yeah. So the idea was that yeah, so the idea was that it was yeah, like if I was, yeah. So if I was to stick, if I was to stick the spear into someone, it would kill them basically, and it basically meant that I was the poison. But then there was also a double entendre, me, pardon me, meaning of like, it was like I put the spear into myself and I pulled the poison out. Mm. Like I'd let the poison out of me, you know. What I mean, I stuck it into me, and the crystals would come out basically. Mm. And there was all these pieces and all these mirrors, and these there was all these different pieces in the show. And the idea was that the show was about this dog that had had come for wretched souls and it had come for me and it, it had damaged me and then it, it left all these things behind but yeah. then it got interesting when a friend of mine came to i did not talk about it and a friend of mine came and we ended up hanging out a, a, a week later i went for a coffee and she was like i've been thinking about that talk you did and talking about the kuna noon and i was like yeah, yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it and she was like yeah you were saying about it being like um like wretched souls right and that it had hunted you and I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, I don't see it like that. She was like, you're the dog. You're the Kuna Noon. She was like, you've hunted the wretchedness and you've brought the goodness out of it. She was like, you've brought the beauty out of it. She was like, you're the dog. She was like, there's no other dog. And I was like, you the dog. it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, I, I realized that, um, the, I mean, a lot of the work was always about me being the kind of central point of this kind of maelstrom of like bad luck and bad things that have happened. But it was like, actually, no, I was uh, bringing it back to the metaphor of the swamp earlier. It was like I had been digging through the swamp to find the kind of like the diamonds at the bottom of it. Yeah. I'd been pulling out the, the the beautiful aspects of the swamp, you know, the things that were buried in it. It's funny when um, people will um will pull out right from underneath the no your nose that you, yeah, that you didn't see. Yeah. But, but that I completely you need, didn't you see. Need, you need the... Uh, the the feedback of others to, to, to make completely. you see. Completely. Completely. <laughs> To, to um, see what you've been doing that you didn't even know yes. you do. So. And it got really into I was just going to say one more interesting thing about the show. I did a piece there called I'm in Control of the Situation, which was mm -hmm. a series, like, I mean, like hundreds of um, ceramic horns yeah. that were. They gave me the, the kind of. Do you not why. like the horns? Oh, man. Like the people, horns. people, uh, the horns are great. I love the horns. I need to make more of <laughs> no, them. But criticism, I just don't... They just, they, that's how they make me feel. They make me feel. Ah, that's like, interesting. Because some people know. see them as. They've been um... plucked from someone, from someone's yes. body. They look really raw, like they've just been yes. pulled out. Like, like gore or. Really yeah. gory, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted originally, I, the idea, I guess, was that I wanted them to be like. It was about culling a situation. It was about culling a herd, right? So there was a dual meaning of like. 
human nature of like culling a herd of animals because they're a detriment to the environment around them, the detriment to themselves, and also the detriment to like running out of food and um, energy, etc., in the space. Um, and obviously, the the idea was that these horns were taken from devils or demons, right? They were taken from okay. these kind of like supernatural entities, and that had been killed, and that had be, had their horns taken from them. Now, originally, I thought about the idea that there was like when I made them, they looked like so many different things, right? They looked like horns, they looked like teeth, they looked like yeah. gore, they looked like um, chewed gum as well. Like whenever I look at them, I kind of feel I kind of have a phantom gum in my mouth and I'm like oh like kind of get, you know feel that chewing sensation when I look at them because they look yeah. like sweets um but the idea I guess was that they were like a victory right they were like a victory over these these devils these forces of of evil in my life um and like they were representation of that overcoming of it now when I wasn't there there was a little there was a boy and his mother came in this boy was like four or five years old right and he came into the show um and he was looking at the horns and was like, oh, what are these? What are these? And Zoe Gingle, who ran Cardiff Maze, who they gave me the space. They do look quite fun. They yeah, they do look like fun. fun. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They look like toys. Something yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. could have made, not like, you know, it just they yes. look like... Yes, no, 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 no. I know, I completely like when agree. when you're at school and, like, you all have to make the same project. Yes. And they all look a little bit different, like out of clay yes. or something. It reminds me of that a little bit. So, yeah, I see why. I They're very cool. tactile. They're very tactile, yeah, which is yeah. what I find really interesting about them. Um and I guess what was really interesting was, anyway, so this boy was, like, looking at it, and um, Zoe was saying, she was like, oh, you know, like, she explained about the idea of, of, of like, this idea of the dog. And was like, oh, these um, these are a representation of, like, victories, you know, like, of, of overcoming, like, this dog or this kind of, like, you know, this kind of monster um, that, that the artist, that Ethan's trying to overcome. And this boy, who was, like, only five years old, was like, Oh yeah, I understand. Sometimes I have nightmares too. Oh. And like when like I didn't really care about anybody else coming after yeah. she told me that because I was like like even this this little boy like understood completely what I was mm-hmm. trying to say. Because as you say, yeah, they do remind you of like something childish, something not childish, but something innocent. Yeah, yeah. Um something yeah, something very um deep within people. Mm. that's what it reminds me of you think about a lot of stuff don't you Ethan yeah I try to I try not I try not to it's a it's a unfortunately it's a result of my um overthinking and anxiety that I think about so many things I um, Um, I can't stop thinking sometimes I feel genuinely more intelligent from just talking just having this conversation with you um oh thank you very much (laughs) no it's like I I know you mean my mind rambles um and I I I go from place to place and I, I don't really know how to like pin it down and mm. create from it my i just uh, my brain's like up there in the ether somewhere so i really like listening to someone like you talk about it in such a like fixed way um yeah well it's really taken a long way. time i mean obviously this is yeah it's years of this yeah. you know yeah. so it's finally got the, to a point but the dog thing as well have you ever read anything by stephen king i haven't done much to be honest because i'm just i'm typical like stephen king fan i think once you start you're like oh shit i need to read more because like this guy gets what it means to be a human gets what it means to be a woman so i, I just love stephen king but um he off, he has um like you and your work he has like a, his own language and symbolism that he um brings back like little easter eggs mm. so he's got like a stephen king universe basically and um he often uses dogs as um a symbol for just villainy or like um danger or just something something 
like something wicked this way comes kind of thing like yes yes and, yes and uh, yeah. particularly german shepherds like alsatians and um that's interesting yeah there's like a there's a, a, there's a story he wrote called uh, rose madder uh, and chris and mm. i both read it pretty much at the same time and we were just like oh my god how amazing is this crazy ass book and it's it's a beautiful story it's about um a woman who for like 12 years has been married to this really abusive insane person basically and he's a police officer so she's kind of afraid of the police and can't go to them because he's drilled into her this whole this, this their whole marriage like oh the police look out for each other we look out for each other so basically mm. manipulating her to say like oh you know don't go to the police because they they're not going to give a shit about you they give a shit about me the golden boy of the police uh anyway mm. and he there's like a, a bit there's like a chapter where he's like he's basically just having this conversation with somebody and he's like um, I think he's blackmailing them. I can't remember, but there, there's like in the background, there's this like man playing frisbee with this massive great Alsatian, and the, mm. the, the, the chapter builds with like tension and um, and yeah, I, I won't go into it too much, but yeah, he, he, it's just this this, this symbolism of a of a dog, and also in The Shining, um, it's really creepy. There's um, a bit that I don't know if you know anything about The Shining, but there's like these topiary bushes that move. Oh yeah, I've heard the about them. Yeah, and. Um, one of them is shaped like a dog and it's just like a normal dog you don't really know what breed it is you just know it's a dog but then as they start to move and, and they start to like follow him every time he turns around it's like they move and they, he doesn't see them move and he thinks he's in right. marbles that's and, so interesting um, and, and he, he goes in he specifically is talking there's like a lion and um, mm. and then the lion and the uh what's it called there's a couple of lions i think and then the um the, there's like a dog and he starts to like herd them and uh, okay and he says and then suddenly he realizes that the closer this dog gets he realizes it's a german shepherd and he says you know shepherds can be vicious they can be trained to kill and all this kind of, course, of thing. So yeah. he realize it. i just love that he pinpoints the f that's what i mean he, he totally has this idea of like what it means to be human like the little things that we think he he, he latches onto like this idea that an alsatian is this terrifying hellhound looking thing it's not it's not mm. Spaniel, mm. Is it? these no it is like but it's there's so much there's so much wolf left mm, yeah. in an alsatian same with huskies and like yeah, yeah. things like that there's so much left in them of like they terrifying yeah huskies are very scary Blue dogs eyes. but they are very like people yeah they're so beautiful suits. though yeah they dogs are. <laughs> fairies yeah fairies oh shit maybe they are they are just people yeah, they're just people in dogs too that's right that's right yeah um <laughs> yeah are you, i think are you it's um a husky <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I do. Yeah, by by night I am. Yeah, moonlight. I moonlight is a husky. Yeah, yeah, I moonlight is a husky. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I um, yeah, it's a strange one. Um, I think I might have to cut it short in a minute because I've got to go pick up some mirrors. Um, and obviously I've got to go to the post <laughs> got office. Some errands. We've got some mirrors to pick up. It's yeah, fine, I've got yeah. some mirrors to pick up. Yeah, I've got, I've got everything got I wanted, mate. Like... <laughs> yeah, great, yeah, amazing, yeah. perfect. It's been one juicy, delicious podcast. Yeah, it's been really good. Um, I've really, really enjoyed the time. It's been, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, really enjoyed yeah. it. We could go on for hours, but um... we could literally keep going on. But I think we, yeah. if I think maybe we'll save it for another episode if we ever do do another episode. Ethan's um, episode sounds like oh a God, film. Yeah. Should just do a podcast Ethan's called Ethan's episodes. Episode. It's just me talking. No, 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 it's not a podcast. It's just, it's just me talking. Just breaking down. But, yeah, for hours. Like oh, Ethan's yeah, episode yeah. again. Oh, Ethan's episode. Oh, another one. God, this is number five. <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah, classic artist. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But yeah, um, yeah, I've really had a good time. It's been really good to chat to you. Yeah, thanks, Ethan. Um, it's no, no problem, honestly. Get those mirrors. 
Yes, I will. I got to go get the mirrors, secure the back. You know how it is. Yeah, I got to do, yeah. do it. Got to do it. But um, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. I guess. Yeah, speak to you soon. Take care. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you too. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.